Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. All right, so um, stop me if you heard this before, but the uh, we, Chris Three, we had a fun topic today. Uh, I wanted to do a brainstorm episode where I was going through my notebook. I didn't know which topic to land on. I thought all of them were kind of like good enough to talk about for a little. And I was like, oh, let's maybe do most of them or kind of do a brainstorm because uh, not, no, I think our phone conversations when I'm like in the car picking out what to talk about a lot of the time end up more interesting than the episode. So I was like, why don't we just try that out in real time? But then... Alas. We're both driving, by the way. And only It's not like we're driving. Always. It's not like we're in the car together. It's just in case people are imagining it in their heads. <laughs> it's like we're driving around town waving to people. Like... Brainstorm <laughs> sessions. I like that more. Hey, <laughs> like, I'm going to pick you up for the ride so we can chat. Like we're the guys in Pulp Fiction trying to come up with a, a history topic. So, um, yeah, I wanted to do a, a brainstorm episode. And then I went on online. And like I do every episode, I type in this day in history to see if there's a cool little tidbit that I could open up the episode with or something like that. And um, I, I realized that right here in Studio MB, we have somebody that um, lived a piece of history that happened uh, today. Um, I mean, years ago today, this day in 1977, August 10th. Um, the Son of Sam. Do you know anything about the Son of Sam, Nando? Enough, I think, but not as much as I should. So... Um, the son of Sam was a uh, he was a serial killer, but he was kind of that very special heyday of serial killer that left the fun notes and um, had a very specific kind of the beginning of, of you know people that started to show um, kind of repetitive behavior in their murders and stuff like that. And he was deep in um, I believe Queens, uh, but it's not for me to talk about. Uh, I have a hist- a survivor of the son and summer of Sam with me, Miss Caroline Manzo, my mother. Mom, you have been, for lack of a better word, bragging that you lived through this most of my childhood to today. When I hear Summer of Sam, Son of Sam, I think of you. Well, you know, it's funny because he did, it it was in my neighborhood. And I was in high school, I believe a freshman or a sophomore, about 15 years old. And um, actually two of... Two victims, one or two of the victims, knew your uncles. So uh, it was very close to us. It was terrifying time. Um, where we would walk to school and we weren't allowed to walk to school alone. We had to walk to school in groups. If we went to a friend's house, we had to go in groups. We couldn't go out after dark. Um, so it, I lived that fear of being a victim of his, as many of my contemporaries at the time. So for those that don't know, David Berkowitz, which I have to say, as far as serial killers go, with the son, son of Sam and all that, the name doesn't fit his whole thing. 
I'll say that. To me, a David Berkowitz does not sound like a menacing person. Um, when you look at him, he looks a bit like someone that could maybe be from dad's side. He was a postal worker, too. He, lo- he looks like, but he looks a little bit like a Manzo. No? I don't think so. He had curly hair, piercing blue eyes. When I show you that? Like in a, like in a good looking way, like like it's kind of you know pretty eyes kind of things you have. Or no, it... I I kind of get the vibe. My dad's what's a serial killer you know name? What? Ted Kaczynski. Actually, is that a? Uh, we don't have to mark this out. It's all right. Theodore Kaczynski. Ted Kaczynski's a definite serial killer name. I, uh, David Berkowitz uh, isn't. Ted. Jeffrey Dahmer is that's, wow, that's a pretty a... perfect serial killer name. It's a great name for a serial. Killer. Second to John Wayne Gacy. John good Wayne one. Gacy's a pretty good one. Good one. No, Nando. No, I was. I'm actually googling serial killer names right now. Sorry. <laughs> so no, you're good. So I feel like so, I'm missing Jack the Ripper. I mean, well, well but that's the thing. That Jack's last nickname. name. It wasn't his name. Yeah, well, his last name might have been like Stevens, and then it's completely useless, you know. But then kudos to him for knowing. Hey, I'm early. I'm a pioneer of the game. I can't just go with my last name. I have to go with the Ripper. Um, for those who don't know about Mr. David Berkowitz. H.H. Um, H. Holmes, that was a good Son one. of Sam. H.H. H. Holmes is a great serial killer name. He's actually, I mean, I don't want to say my favorite, but he's the most interesting to me. Um, so for over a year, uh, I think he killed six people, wounded seven others, but I, I'm sure, the, I think they say they don't know, like he might have killed more people. He used a 44 uh, caliber, so 44 they called caliber. him. He was called originally the 44 caliber killer. Caliber killer, excuse me. And then he became Son of Sam because I think he coined that himself. I think son he of left Sam. a note, yeah, I think, calling himself Saying that. that a voice in his head. No, the dog. There was a, Which I can relate to because I had an apartment yeah. with a dog that barked above me all the time and it drove me insane. So he said there was a bl- the black lab that lived downstairs uh, spoke to him and basically told him to commit these murders. And he would kill uh, young couples that were basically at like their, their romantic like points, right? Like like the points that look over the city. Park Am I right? Park. Park, parks, yeah. Uh, I saw the movie, and in the movie it was always kind of like you know when the people are like on top of a mountain or like in like a park, and um, no, it was like middle of the street. It could have been Queens Boulevard, which is a busy street, you know. Uh, so it wasn't a matter of being in a in a remote place. It could be under lots of times it was under a street lamp. You you would be afraid to park underneath the street lamp. Um, it was wild. It was wild. So he he basically. He lost his mother at you know somewhat of a young age. He's a paranoid schizophrenic. Went to the army. He was a he was a good marksman. Comes out. Um, he gets in trouble due to some arson and things like that. I'm sorry, he doesn't get in trouble, but he's an arsonist. So he's a little troublemaker. And then it starts to hear the demons, uh, and he commits his first murder on I believe Christmas Eve, uh, and um, he stabbed a young girl. But I don't think she, I don't think she ended up dying. And then he all yonkers, all really right there. Um, and then he kind of starts the, I don't want to generalize too much, but again, like the thing that you see in movies where like you leave notes and kind of, you killed some people. Now you want like the notoriety kind of let people know that. And I think that's kind of the first of its kind. And that's the summer I think of the blackout also, right? Like that was a very distinctly New York summer, 1977. Well, I remember, uh, my brothers, my older brothers decided to, your, your aunt cookie was out on a date. And it was, I guess, around after dark. So whenever darkness came, people would start to panic because that's what he did it in the evening. And your uncles decided, for whatever reason, to light a firecracker off 
in their bedroom thinking they could throw it out the window. Smart. Nice. Well, the firecracker went off in the bedroom. This is in Queens in 1977 while there is a murderer who only uses a gun. Right. Let's throw that out there. So we are in our house, and Grandpa, Grandma, all of us, and we hear pop, pop, pop. It's the firecracker upstairs. We think it's gunshots outside. Well, everybody goes nuts. That's crazy. And then we realize it's the firecracker upstairs. I don't even want to tell you <laughs> what Grandpa did. Well, to I, I was going to say, what what is the discipline for? I know my grandfather. What is the discipline for something like that? For making the entire they, neighborhood think they're about to get murdered? They got a pretty good beating um, because he, he was terrified. He thought. It was Aunt Cookie outside. So that's how real it was to us and how close it was to us. Um, and it was a very, uh, it was a very uncomfortable summer. He would leave notes taunting the police, and, and it, you just didn't know where it was going to be, so what community uh, it was going to be. Eventually, he he goes after a couple, shoots them. Uh, he doesn't he doesn't kill them, right? Try, or I think he kills the. I don't want to be wrong here, sorry, but I'm going a lot off of just. There kind was of what a I witness, I think that there lived. was a witness to it. Yeah. One of the two people survived. Um, she called the police. They kind of were going through the same thing with description. All right, we're getting closer, uh, but she reminded them that they were writing parking tickets on the street earlier that day, and through that they figure out which car was his right. because they're able to track people down. Uh, they catch him. He gets 25 to life. That is so. The story about his his rise, if you will, or his terror, really isn't the interesting part. It's kind of how the city reacted, and how it kind of changed the um, the tone. Because then, like the Zodiac is around that time, and a few others, and all the all the big, you know, the heavy hitter names that we've been dropping, you know, like Kaczynski, people like that, all followed later. But I think it's it was one of the original kind of phenomena of serial killer, and you know, in a city like New York kind of peak like punk scene and like you know like when new york was kind of getting that come up if you will um so like what what and i think for for like these copycat people it was you couldn't escape it it was on the news every minute it was on the cover of every paper so anybody that wants to be that like a copycat to look at me this was their blueprint you know to, to do the same or try to be that person that everybody's talking about so not no do you consider do you think about things like that where you have a guy you mentioned hh holmes earlier right that's from like the 19 i think 20s or 30s so serial killers weren't a new thing but to make it about you you know what i mean to admire your work after the fact and taunt the whole city um, and again, on the other side of the country, I don't know exactly. We should do a Zodiac episode one day. But on the other side of the country, around the same time, I think a little before or after, I'll, I'll look it up right now, uh, you had the Zodiac killer who was kind of doing the same thing. Um, and he's in the 60s, so that's beforehand. So I saw, Sorry about that. But you had basically in the two biggest cities in the country kind of people becoming celebrities and making – um, not what we would call now, I guess, like a viral sort of sensation, right? About right. what, um, you know, about their crimes and things like that. And kind of where, where does that, I feel like you had an opportunity back then to not write about it and not glamorize what they were doing, but 
um, and and who knows what it could have not what it would have led to in a good way. You know what I mean? Of people not kind of admiring that amount of attention. But it sold. Pa- really I mean, it sold papers. Like it was. That was the remember the Bronx is burning. That was that summer too. Like I'm sure, like Daily so, yeah, News, same. New York Post were going nuts selling papers. It was on the cover of every single paper, every magazine, the talk of every news news broadcast. It did was you have like like basically everywhere, twenty four seven? Did you have like a protocol, like a buddy system, or like a new walk home, yes. or like a change your route every day, or a code word? Absolutely, yeah. Uh, my aunt Cammy lived down the block. I wasn't allowed to go to her house, vice versa, once the sun went down. And she lived a half a block away. Uh, going to school, we had to go buddy system, as many of us together to walk, because we walked to school. And coming I, home... I picture you having like a, a very stereotypical, comical neighborhood watch situation going on. And you're... What is it, Queens? Middle Village? Is this Middle Village? Middle Village. Um, so yeah, I, I picture a very funny stickball armed neighborhood watch. I don't remember that, <laughs> but I do remember Grandpa and like Frank Libretto, Cammy's dad, being just, you do not go anywhere alone. You go in packs, and especially when the sun went down, because that's when he struck, when the sun went down. But he had a gun, right? Um, I mean, like... This seems to me like if he's strangling, caliber. yeah. If he's like strangling yeah. women or if he's like stabbing them, then you're like the packs help. But like with a gun, right, you could just gun, shoot like six right. of you. You know, like it was that no, ever like it a wasn't, like he would literally just walk up to a car, boom, boom, right through the window. Well, that was that's my thing is I feel like the pattern doesn't match the panic, where like he was being pretty. I get it, a murder is a murder, but like that it was happening. He'd walk up to the car at night and shoot you twice. Right. I, I feel like it's weird to like move around in packs. I thought it, it seems more like a hard curfew situation would have resolved a lot of this. But but you didn't know because you didn't know. Well, gee, is he going to change his his way one day? So if I'm just walking alone on the street, but it was really it was never. It was always couples. It was never one person. But you don't know. I think it's what uh, makes it scarier oh. is the gun. I yeah. don't want, yeah, because it's just so fast. You you have no time to 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 fight off, fight it off. You know, he, he's he's. It's as if his arms are eight feet long. Right, you, know you can I mean? romanticize. Like he kill you from very far away, and that's not fair. You can organize self defense classes in the neighborhood to be like, if he comes after you with a, you know a knife or a rope, like this, is how you step on his foot, you kick him from behind with like a gun. You're just like, oh, that's uh, not much I can do. Well, that's where if you remember Zodiac was a sniper, so like you could just if you remember the DC sniper, remember that guy in the white van? That to me fucking sucks. Where you're just like in it you know like you just there's no pattern you're just walking around there's nothing you could do about that like that same kind of feeling i guess is i remember in school we had um an auditorium session where it was all about that and this is what you need to do and be keep your eyes open don't be foolish don't find yourself parked in cars so it it was that big a deal that it was mentioned at school do you think that there's anything i mean i'm not trying to say that he just as far as production is concerned and like getting things done being a killer only a night in the summer very much limits your production value like what you're able to what you're able to put out there thank god for that right i would agree but i'm just saying if 
not enough. Well, you mean if he was, if if he was just doing it in the winter? From a strategic standpoint, if you're a consultant, you're getting paid. You would tell him, hey, you're you're you opened your seasonal business in the wrong season here, bud. Right? You're trying to kill people at night. Yeah, but when, when people want to be outside, to like it's like you're taking away a lot of joy from them. Right? Like it people teachers are summer. off during was, the summer. It wasn't just the summer. It was a few I remember walking to school and being afraid. Uh, let me take a look. See here. how long his rain was. Oh, Chris, not doing his research, man. That's why this is a brainstorm episode. Yeah, see? <laughs> oh, wait, you know why? It's the son of Sam, but the movie was Summer of Sam. Summer. So they just talk about the summer. There was no research that went. Well, to be fair, I said that I had a different episode going into this, and then I did a Google. And then while these microphones were connected, Nando, correct me if I'm wrong, we made a speaker phone call and said, we might need you downstairs to do a uh, to, to be an expert here, because I didn't know that we had an expert in our midst. I find this fascinating, though. I'm glad you did um, this. Yeah, me too. This is fun because it is something we've talked about as kids. Um, you know, my my mom is always um, talking about it, you know, just kind of the things that you live through. And, um, you know, we talk about it for me a lot. You know, my uh, my mom will say, you know, you kids have lived through so much already because we've had quite the history resume, I think, in my lifetime. I've been through like three recessions, two impeachments. Um, pandemic. There's a pandemic in there. I, I, didn't even, I was gonna say, I didn't even get to COVID yet. Uh, so, you know, did you, is this something you consider to be like where you feel the most attached to something in history? Because broad scale, like I don't want to be dark, but like you could think of September 11th, but like that affected the whole right. country. Where this was more concentrated on where specifically you lived. Well, when you just turned the computer around and showed me the photo. You know when you get that scared feeling in your chest? Yeah. I got that feeling with seeing his photo. Was it everywhere on Oh, I guess no one knew what he looked like, right? No, you, well, I remember the, the front pages being the cars and, and, like, the police with the body, you know, being covered and stuff like that. And then when, of course, he was caught, his photo was everywhere. But you couldn't escape it. It was everywhere. And you truly, truly lived in fear. I also feel like there wasn't that much to do back then, you know? So, like, well, like all no, you have to do is talk about how... Well, well, the thing is, the only thing to do is go out and do shit. Like, that's what everyone makes fun of us now, right? Everyone, nobody leaves the house or whatever. All you had to do then was, like, just go to the ice cream store. Just walk around the neighborhood and do things. Right. You know? Just go to the ice cream store young, the first... sit. Your first thing yeah, to do? I feel like that was the thing. <laughs> yeah. The I, I picture, like, a soda fountain type of thing all the time. I do. Uh, You're really well, best, like, that's you the this. 50s. You know, I think what, right now I have a fear of going to the mall, movie theaters, because of shootings. Would you equate this to be your son of Sam era? Uh, my, mine, I think, I could think about what, what mine, you know, the only time I ever felt like, I was like, oh, I'm kind of in the middle of something, and this is super random, but, um... I felt cold worry when like Kim Jong Un was someone that we didn't laugh at yet. You know what I mean? Like now, North, like he's like a goofy little guy now. <laughs> you know? But that, when he first, remember when his dad died and he took over? Like, oh shit! Yeah. I felt that was the only time I felt like an attachment to history. Like, oh, I feel like this is my moment of that shootings and things. To be honest, I felt I don't want to get into Matt like that all the way, but. That was my biggest fear in high school. I definitely right. felt, but I, this is sad, but I think 
kids in high school now, I would guess, have maybe less of a fear of it and more of an acceptance of it, of something that they have to be worried about. Where mine was like I had Columbine and a couple other things to reference, and they were big. I think Virginia Tech happened while I was in high school. Um, yeah. And that one, that was a scary one. But they were still so few and far between that it felt like a copycat could spring on at any minute, where now it seems like kids in school have like a protocol for it. And it's not expected, obviously, but it's like, again, accepted where it's like, yeah, sometimes these things happen. It's, it's really messed up. Um, but yeah, I, I guess that would be now. Do you have anything that brings you really close to a moment in, in time in history? I don't think I have to think if I had something like that in my life. I don't think there was. I don't think I had anything. Again, like I've had big, broad. I've had massive scale things, but not anything that's so direct, you know, a movie about my neighborhood kind of thing. No. Yeah, like I was out of school when a lot of the shootings, I mean, Columbine happened when I was still in school. But that was so weird and so out of the order. You know what I mean? Like I was like the first big one that it didn't, it was like, oh, that happened, you know, in yeah. Colorado, a horrible thing. Like there wasn't like a wave of them at that point. Um, so well, you know what really. I think? Go ahead. I was gonna what say, I think really. is distinctly American style of panic is like the first time something happens you kind of need to blame it on a more organized version of crimes. Like, do you remember the trench coat mafia? Yes. Like that wasn't like, that wasn't a, nobody went into mental uh, illness or gun control or anything like that. It went immediately into like video games, Marilyn Manson, Eminem. And um, the trend, that was the thing, the trench coat mafia. Like it was a gang of people that were going to be doing this. And basically anybody with a long coat, you had to be scared shitless of. So that was, I guess to your point, Ma, no, I don't feel that way about malls and movie theaters and things because I think you have to live your life after a while. Um, but not to, you know, it's terrible, but, you know, what, what can you do? Um, but Columbine was weird. Columbine to Virginia Tech, that that time. So that's was a strange. connection point to you, as I'm saying, a school and being in a school? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I was because I was afraid of two things. I never wanted to get drafted, and I never wanted to be in a school shooting. I was never one of those people... And you know me, I don't run away from conflict or anything, but I was never one of those people that were like, I would run right to the fight and I would protect the school. I'd be like, I'm fucking out. I was always looking for a way out. And that was a scary thing. There used to be bomb threats and shooting threats, if you remember. Yes. Uh, every 420, every September 11th, weird things at our school that we would get. And they would move you to the same part of the school every time. Uh, like if there was a bomb threat. So I, in my head, I was like, if you know that and you would place a bomb, you would place it where the people would go to hide you know like where the instruction was to go you know what i mean right with me nanda i got you yeah and i would so i would just leave i would just like walk out of school and be like i'm not doing that shit because that was a real kind of fear of mine um i want to go into a few other things before we go to down this rabbit hole son of sam was good i wish i took a little bit more research on it but again it was a last minute topic oh you know what else uh, your mom might have lived through before like oh, go, go through your list go ahead Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Uh, well, you yours seems more specific. Mine is as all over the place as we can get, but I think we could pick our next episode. Oh, and I have an idea while we have my mom here, but you go ahead. No, I wanted to ask about Gary Hart. 
because I was at a with the National Collectors Convention and I actually didn't make it, but I had my deputy editor like taking pictures of things that he thought that I thought were cool, which he was right about. Um, one of them was like this big table of political buttons. And I'm like, there's a $5 Gary Hart for president button there. Could you please get that for me? And he did, but he's oh like, God, who's Gary Hart? But he goes, who's Gary Hart? I'm like, you don't know who Gary Hart? I mean, he's younger, but he's not that much younger. And I'm like, it's an amazing story. Like what happened to Gary Hart and how badly he messed up. I don't know who up. Gary Hart is. Chris, you would, you would love him. I don't know who he is. He challenged. So like, so he was, I mean, maybe I can like clarify this as we go along, but like the, the very like simplistic view of it is, he was this dude who was like 30 points ahead in the polls to get the Democratic nomination in 88, I think it was. But there are all these rumors, you know, he's like a womanizer, you know, he's got these mistresses. And he's like, oh, yeah, you think? Follow me. I dare you. You're not going to find anything. You're going to be bored. Like the next week, they caught him with one of his mistresses like, coming out of the back of his house, like as blatant as you could be. And then someone had a picture of uh, her, this woman, Donna Rice, on his lap, like this very famous Donna picture. Rice. On That's a, boat, a great name. On a boat called The Monkey Business. Um, and it, like, yes. I mean, it just, and it completely on. destroyed, completely, so completely, completely destroyed him. Like that dude could have been president for two terms, you know, in an alternate universe. Um, and he blew it because he antagonized a bunch of people and then was stupid like three days later. Like it's a crazy story. It, like how, how history could shift like that. Well, he's a, he was a narcissist because he... I'm getting Warren Beatty vibes from Gary. No, Hart. he believed he couldn't be touched because he was so popular. And well, then there he goes, boom. In his defense, I've seen a man say that he could shoot somebody in broad daylight in the middle of New York City and not lose his fan base. <laughs> so did. and become president. So he was, you could argue before his time, because we've seen multiple situations of mistresses and things not slow Democrats and Republicans down. So Gary Hart. You were just a man before your time, my before friend. Before his time. That, that's when we... Yo, Nando, that's going to be an episode for us one day. Who was just at the wrong time? Like, who right are people... Right place, wrong time. Right, right place, <laughs> wrong... Who are people now that would have thrived back then? Who are people back then that would have thrived now? Yeah. You know what I mean? Yes. Because Gary Hart, a simple... Something like a mistress is really... I mean, light work these days. That That's a, if you're a good enough matador, you could just Olay right around that. That doesn't matter. Just don't do it. Just take a month and a half off or something, you know, like, or go somewhere a little more discreet than your apartment. That's all. That's all well, I'm asking. Well, I think, and it, this is the thing, I, I don't think anyone, history is going to forget this as technology gets better. But I don't think anybody, like before you said something between 1950s and 1970s, like, oh, that's more 50s than 70s, right? To me, and this is ignorant on my end, but I, I'm going to argue it till I'm dead. There's not a huge difference. They're, they changed a few things in that 20-year span, really like 40 years, all the way up to like 1990. Of like, it was just how we consume things and how we said things and how we wore things. But everything was generally the same. Technology didn't advance so fast. Cars went a little faster, but they still did the same thing. They played music the same way. You buckled in the same way. The laws were basically the same. So, but now everybody knows faster. Well, that's my point. So now back then, being a guy like Gary Hart to say, try it, find out. There was no drone. There was no tracking technology that was any, you know, you could put something the size of a brick on someone's bumper and hope they didn't know. And it would like beep. <laughs> but there was no sneaky ways to catch people that were, you know, difficult. So in his, in you know, in, in his defense, I guess, why not be like, yeah, try it? Because... People were probably getting away with everything under the sun back then, you know? 
Uh, and don't issue I think direct people challenges. Forget how hard. Well, yeah, I mean, definitely like, don't either do you want way. That guy I guess your they, I understand. I understand that ignorance a little bit more. I think than others kind of are willing to because it's like this guy didn't understand. Like this is the turning of everything. Like the past. When, so we're talking about 1988, it looks like, or 84. So this is the very beginning of kind of like, um, in my opinion, like that kind of gotcha shit, right? This, this is fresh off the heels of Nixon, I'm assuming, right? You have different, um, or within like that same kind of political it was off Reagan. era. It was coming off of Reagan. Reagan. Oh, because I just see Nixon's thing. Nixon's. I was a kid with Nixon. Oh, he I went remember, against that was Nixon. Nothing. Watergate. That's a, I lived through Watergate. Watergate. <laughs> well, I had the Clinton. We should compete one day, because I had Clinton. I'll I'll <laughs> trade you a Clinton for a Nixon. All. I mean, Watergate was the bigger scandal. Clinton, I still feel like skated a little bit, like reputation wise. Where the nineties were. Not we did a whole nineties episode once, but the nineties we were just such a kind of chill time. <laughs> Like of everybody being like, just sort of, we were saying the currency back in the nineties was to not care about shit. Like that was like the coolest you could be. Right. Was to be like the grungy. I don't really care. When when Watergate was happening, it was only two, four, seven, nine, eleven, and thirteen. The, there was no cable. The right? channels. And every channel. Yeah, they played know it constantly. Just it was you. You turn on the TV. I'm a kid. The nine, ten, eleven years old, however old it was, and Watergate's on for for twelve hours a day. That's all. That's all there was. I, it's the one thing that I never got that excited about, like as far as scandals are concerned, Watergate. Because to me, it was like I feel like he got caught doing something everyone does, and it's like I get it, but yeah. why are we still talking? Like to this day, I got to keep hearing it's about it. The, at that time, it was the first of its scandal like that. Um, on such a broad scope. Nando, you wanted to see my my notebook here while we have probably like five minutes or so? I would love to. <laughs> yes. On many levels. But for this show, yes, too. All right. Just because this was the show we meant to do today. And I want to at least feel like that we, you know, we accomplished what we woke up setting out to do. Um, one. At one point, Pepsi-Cola was the sixth largest military in the world. Does anyone know about that? Military? Yes. Clearly, I don't. I didn't either. Um, so we won't get all the way into it. But basically, um, the U.S. arranged a national expedition to Moscow to kind of just, it looked like just the kind of flex of like all the things that we have. And, you know, mil from like a military perspective, I think they gave like a bottle of Pepsi or the Soviets kind of being introduced to Pepsi and like falling in love with it. And they wanted to, they wanted to bring it in. And they, they kind of, again, we'll do a full brainstorm on this and i have notes on it but i want to get through all of them and long story short they pepsi ends up taking like military grade weapons as payment for so it pepsi brings a whole new uh, thought process to the phrase pepsi challenge it, it, it was tanks planes they had the sixth largest military in the world at one point do you remember that summer when pepsi um, had that thing where if you opened up the can a five dollar bill could pop out no, I like that idea, though. That's not sanitary. How'd that happen? Well, that's actually what I happened. I think maybe the idea is you're not supposed to drink the Pepsi. Yeah, the hydraulics didn't work in some cans. People got sick, so they had to stop it. 
But there was like there were commercials and everything. Like this is the summer of Pepsi, where they'd open it in like a five dollar bill, twenty dollars. I think movie tickets. Things would just pop right out of the can. I don't remember that at all. I feel like Pepsi's always finding themselves in a weird position marketing wise. They had the clear Pepsi, this five dollar thing. They had uh, they have the Netflix thing where they owe somebody a jet because they said you could like win a jet and, you, and someone sued them and won. Pepsi's always kind of they got they kind of write checks that their mouth can't cash sometimes, you know. Uh, article two: Beware of blue eyes. Um, it's medical at the time. Uh, some of the best medical minds in the world saying that um, basically you should leave people with blue eyes alone. They're non-trustworthy sleuths. Wow. Chris, um, where does that leave us? That leaves us as non-trustworthy sleuths. <laughs> it's all medically medically backed uh, information about how people with blue eyes just um, they're, they're, they don't have the same moral compass as others. Um, because Nando, and now this goes into the next thing, uh, lobotomies is the next thing written down. So, so far, what I have written in my notebook was um, Pepsi's sixth largest military, lobotomy, beware of blue eyes. <laughs> I love, I have an obsession. Did you ever read Italo Calvino? With, no. I'll save that for another day. I, I, I just love the way, you know how I don't really trust doctors all that much? No offense to all the doctors that I'm sure listen to Chris Theory all the time. I don't trust them because I feel like they just know what they can know. They can't know more. Like, they just know what the book tells them to read, right? They don't know a whole lot. Yeah, but they've read clearly more books than you, so right. they are better But so did, But the people in whatever year from the Blue Eyes thing read more than the people back then. And their assessment was like, if you have blue eyes, you're probably clinically insane and not trustworthy. And then it would be like if a woman gave birth and was depressed after, which we would now call postpartum, they'd be like, clearly she needs electroshock therapy. I just love the way doctors jumped into shit throughout history. I love the examples of it. I think it's really funny. I've always wanted to do an episode on it, but it's too much. Like It's like one of those things that the more I find out, the more I, the more I don't know. You know what I mean? Um, are you familiar with the Straw Hat Riots? No. Of 1922? Yes. What do you know about the Straw Hat Riot? This, I... Love the idea of this. I, I vaguely remember. I think did we talk about it or did Daddy talk about it? It might it might have been in a uh, like a family brainstorm session. It could have been, but basically, um, there were a series of minor riot riots that lasted eight days because um, after autumn it was considered taboo taboo to wear a straw hat, and men just weren't having it. Men said no. They're not dealing with it, and they they rioted for eight days in September because September fifteenth was the unofficial date that it was socially acceptable to wear a straw hat. I love that. Have How you violent were they? About the Salem witch trials. No, I I I should talk to you and Dad about it though, because you went to Salem, didn't you? But because it, it was very short lived, and they make it sound like it was went on for years. Well, well, you know what else was short lived? The pirate era, the Golden Age of pirates, was like five years long. You know that, Nando? All the famous pirates were like in the same like three year span, five year span. I didn't know that. Our flag um, means then, or watched our flag means death. What did you think of it? I love it. I love it. I loved it. I love pirate shit. I don't know if you know that about me. No, I didn't. I mean, I could, I would guess Wait, it. if you Chris if you gave me like little, five facts. Yes. Do you remember the pirate in your room. Five facts of what? Oh no, we're on a delay again. Yeah, I heard. All right, so let me get through those. Lobotomies was the other thing written down. And then uh, the cow mutilation of the 70s. So that's what we missed out on today. But I think we should bring back the straw hat riots and the zoot suit riots. And then, do you remember that song? 
Zoot Zoot Riot? That's when I was in college, and it was the swing era. That's cra- I was in the third grade. I sang that song in a concert in the third grade while you were in college doing keg stand. <laughs> that can't be right. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's right. I'm sorry to do that to you. You know why I know it's right? Because that's when I was pretending to play trumpet. I was in the school band because everyone else was, and I wanted to be. I wanted to play trumpet. And Zoot Suit Riot, if you remember the song, had a pretty impressive brass section. And I just pretended to play it. I had the trumpet in my hand, and I, I was just blowing that thing. I got, like, cheeks puffed out, not making a single noise. Just tapping buttons and moving my head and, sh- like, shaking my shoulders, faking Zoot Suit Riot in the third grade. <sighs> oh, shit. Uh, all right. I feel like we started strong. We're ending. We're dying off. So before this peters out. Mom, I thank you. Thank you. Uh, for your son of Glad Sam expertise. Um, now that we know how to do this, kind of, um, anytime, you know, feel, please feel free to come into the studio anytime you'd like. My pleasure. Nando? Thank you, Nando. It was a pleasure. Thank you. Wow, that's a bad delay. I know. Keep saying it. Make some... I can't cut it out in the edit. Later. <laughs> <laughs> I'm try- well, I just I didn't know you planned on cutting it out. I just wanted to own it so the audience didn't think we were trying to get away with it. Let's own it. We had a wonderful, uh, okay. the two of them are in a room together, and I'm, uh, I'm in the car. Hey, man. We did our best here. And uh, that being said, good job. This went great. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh, yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.